If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in a human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen, amen. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Lori. I love this duo, like actually having two people in the family read together. We may have to start adding that into our repertoire. But we are going to dive into some prayer. I'd invite you to pray with me before we get into our message today. Heavenly Father, uh, we give you thanks for uh, beautiful weather. Uh, I give you thanks for uh, the good news of Jesus. Uh, Lord, and as we continue to explore uh, the book of Philippians, uh, Lord, that you uh, challenge us, that you shape us, Lord, that we're able to leave here emboldened to be on the mission that you sent each and every one of your disciples to go on. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So we are in week two of going through the entire book. We are going verse by verse through Philippians. And the book of Philippians was written to the early church in a city called Philippi. It was a church plant, similar to Acts Church Leander, that Paul and some of his followers had, have, had helped found. And then he left, and then he would write letters of encouragement to these early Christian churches. And so you see this all over. He wrote churches to Corinth. He wrote churches to Rome. He wrote to the church in Philippi. And he wanted to remind them of the hope that they had in Jesus. But more than just what they were supposed to believe, he wanted to focus, and in fact did focus on, what they were supposed to do. There is a debate that has raged for a long part of Christianity that creates a false dichotomy between how we're supposed to get to heaven and what we're supposed to do here on earth. And the debate rages like this. Do we, by our good works, build a ladder or a stairway to heaven? Or does God do all the heavy lifting? Well, the answer to that question is God did the heavy lifting. That is the good news of Jesus, that we didn't have to make it up to heaven. Heaven, God's rule, God's presence, Jesus came to us. No stairway to heaven, no ladders, no amount of good things gets you up there. But then the argument starts to fall apart that then says, well, so if our good works don't get us to heaven, what's the point? God doesn't care about them. And that ain't biblical either. 
And in fact, even more important than that, well, and as important than that, case in point, do you realize that Jesus never goes to anyone ever and says, all you need to do is believe in me that I'm your Lord and Savior, that I've forgiven your sins and you're good to go and leaves them there. That situation never happens in scripture. Oh, he does say, I came to forgive you your sins. He does say, heavens come here. But how do we get there? How, how does he get his people there? Well, as I was talking with Andy Warner earlier, and he reminded me, he says something. He says, come follow me. Come follow me, he says. And everything else takes care of itself. Come follow me, and you'll learn about the God that you have. Come follow me, and forgiveness of sins the rhythm where we're able to be honest with God with our brokenness and our failures and our hurts and our hopes, he goes, all of that will take care of itself. And so, yes, the good news is grace and grace alone, apart from works. But Ephesians goes on to say that we may do the good works that God had in store for his people. And that is what Philippians is all about. Again and again and again, Paul writes to the church, this is how you live out your faith. This is how you live up to what you have already obtained. The good news produces something in your life. And when we actively follow God, Day in, day out, as we love our neighbor as ourself, as we love our spouse as ourself, as we love that one coworker who every time they send us a text message, our skin starts to crawl. As we do that, what we find is that we work out the salvation that he has given us. So let's, let's look at what that looks like. So again, we are in Philippians chapter two. I'm going to read this entire uh, chapter to you. You can follow along. You can listen in. That's either way. Philippians chapter two, verse one. Therefore, stop. This is going to be a long message. <laughs> I promise it's not. Whenever you see the word therefore in the New Testament, it is a grammar uh, connection that Greek is really clear on. And it's clear in English, but we don't use it as often. Whenever you see the word therefore, go back a little bit. Because almost always it is connecting you to a thought. It's making a train of thought, a sequence of thoughts that's going to help you better understand what Paul or Jesus or whoever else is writing is saying. So let's jump back just a little bit. Uh, No, no, no. I don't want to highlight stuff. There we go. All right. Chapter two. This is what's right before that. Whatever happens, Paul writes, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus. Act like the good news of Jesus is real. Then, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of that good news, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Would you guys like not to be frightened? You know, after 2020, there was a lot that could frighten us, right? I mean, like, literally, the whole kitchen sink got thrown, whether it was financial, whether it was physical, whether it was political. 
family stuff. I mean, literally, the whole sink just came and just crashed into all of us. And fear was a big part of that. But he says, there's a way around that, y'all. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. See, this is a sign to those who will be destroyed, but for those who are saved and saved by God. For it was been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, not only to know that, yes, he died on the cross for your sins, not only that, but to suffer with him, to struggle with him, as I see you now are. He says, guys, the gospel isn't just about what you know. The gospel produces something. It produces an action. So he says that, and then he says, therefore, and now that's going to connect this right to chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, have you ever found encouragement in your faith, knowing that you weren't alone? Encouragement when you knew you screwed up, but you were still loved and you were still forgiven. Encouragement where you knew, man, I have not been in sync with my spouse. I have not been in sync with my kids or my work or my school. Any encouragement of all, if any comfort from his love, just at a funeral yesterday. Funerals are hard. Death sucks. It's unnatural. Any comfort there? If any common sharing in the spirit, do you have any connections in the church? Do you ever laugh with people in church? Like hanging out with them, getting dinner with them, letting them know when you're wrestling with something. Any common sharing in the faith? If any tenderness or compassion through Christ, if you ever felt seen because of who God is and what God's done. I mean, that's, that's a pretty all-encompassing umbrella right now, right? So if, if you've had any of that, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit, one mind, and unified. It says, y'all, if you've received anything from God, pay that forward. If there's ever been times where you've been encouraged, then encourage. If there's ever been times where you've been comforted in distress or pain, pay that forward. If you've ever felt united with God, even in spite of your warts and your wrinkles, then find ways to be united with the people that he brings into your life. Because it moves beyond just knowing the right answer to something to acting like something. He goes on and says, so do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Get out of your own bubble. Get out of, get out of your own perspective. It's not about me. It's not about you. True life, true living is about each other. Taking care of one another as God takes care of us. And not only looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Realizing that if I'm taking care of you, and y'all are taking care of me, the irony of this whole situation, like, I care a lot about myself, right? I, I would love to be like, I am completely, but like all of us do, right? We live our lives through our own eyes, literally. 
But here's the thing. If I'm the only one looking out for me, that is one person against the world. And if I'm really honest, that one person is not particularly good at beating the world. But if all of y'all are looking out for my best interests, think about that. Then it's not just two eyes, two hands. It's an entire community that can watch over me, care for me. It's an entire community that can care for you. Do you see how much bigger this is than our own little world when we start to follow and we start to see what God's trying to do, what he's trying to accomplish? And then, this is the verse that Adrian read last week. This is the key to all of Philippians. He points to Jesus and he re-narrates Jesus' entire life and connects us to how we're supposed to live. In your relationships with each other, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who? Being in the very nature God, was God incarnate, God with flesh on, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Uh, my brother was in town last week. I had a great time with him. And he just uh, bought an apartment, just two little apartments that he's got. And so he is now a landlord. And I'm super proud of him, and he's just beginning in this business. But I'm like, that's awesome. And we started talking about landlords. I said, you know, I always loved on my landlords. I really sucked up to them. But there was a reason, because I wanted my security deposit back. I'm not sure if you guys have ever rented from someone else, if you've ever had an apartment, rented a house. Like, getting your security deposit back is one of the hairiest situations you can think of, right? And so I had this mentality. Be nice to the landlord, so at the end of this relationship, they are more likely to give you back more of your security deposit. And so he and I were joking about that. I was like, dude, man, I was always the first one to say hi. I was always going out of my way because I wanted to use that relationship as an advantage. I wanted to leverage my relationship with this person so that at the end, I wouldn't get host. Right? What this Bible verse is saying is Jesus didn't do that who being the very nature God, who had this relationship with his father, he didn't leverage it to come down here and be like, can we make this as easy as possible? Can I live the sweet life, father? Can this be easy? He, he doesn't do that. Instead, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant putting on human flesh. He doesn't come to be served, to be the king, to have everyone line up and realize, look how awesome I am. Instead, he serves. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to even death on a cross. He shows up. He lives for people. Day in, day out. He pours out his life, not just on the cross, and certainly on the cross, but every day he shows up for other people to have compassion, to have empathy, to have comfort and love, and to bring forward something that they didn't have themselves. All the way up through the cross, he served. And therefore, there's that therefore again, connecting two thoughts together. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord 
to the glory of the Father. He puts it all together. He goes, guys, this big God that we worship, he served. And then there's this word again, therefore. (laughs) Again, connecting it right back into that. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now so much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is one of those verses that's kind of strange, right? What do you mean, work out my salvation with fear and trembling? Does God want me to be like terrified that I am not saved? No. Christ's work alone gets us there. But because we have this good news, because we have this gift, because it's that valuable, we should treat it as such. We should treat the gift of day in, day out with the opportunity to follow. The opportunity to live as children of God. Not out of fear of terror, but out of reverence, of respect, of realizing I was given the best gift ever. My sins are forgiven and I got connected to y'all. He gave me family. He gave me community. He gave everything. So I should act like it. I I should follow suit. If I got any encouragement, I should be paying forward that encouragement to everyone he brings into my life. And not even I should be. I don't want to shoot on y'all today. I get to. You get to. The opportunity is that it's not out of obligation It's out of passion. It's out of belief that this way is actually better than my own selfish ambition. That having all of y'all look out for me and all of us look out for you is a better way to live, is a better gift than my own little world. That's the gift. That's the fruit of the gospel that takes us out of ourselves and into something so much bigger For it is God who works in you. Why? To fulfill his good purpose. Y'all, God has good purpose for you and your families. God has good purpose for y'all. Even when your family is putting the fun and dysfunctional, God has good purpose for y'all. Even when we sometimes act like little five-year-olds, screaming and hollering. Why can't I get my way? God has good purpose for y'all. He has good for us to do. We get to be a part of this thing. We get to see it through to the end and that stuff pays forward even into eternity. So do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become pure and blameless, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. The world's kind of broken right now, right? You see it everywhere. Literally, any screen that doesn't have like the Bible app open at the moment will tell you there is something broken in the world. Social media, the news, school board media, everything's broken, right? But you, Paul says, will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly in the word of life. 
says, y'all will look different. When the world is throwing its hissy fit, y'all will model something different. And that will be an awesome platform for the good news for other people. Because in the same way that God has good purpose for y'all, he wants to have good purpose for the people he brings <coughs> into your life. Oh, sorry. Not getting choked up. I mean, I am, but not emotionally. Um, anyway. Um, good purpose for y'all is one of the ways that we witness. In fact, it's the best way that we witness. Because the truth of the matter is, people do not care what you know until they know you care. And hear that again. People do not care what you know about Jesus until they know you care about them. And that allows that good news to penetrate deeper than words alone ever would. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering as a sacrifice coming from your faith, Paul writes, I will be glad and rejoice with you. So y'all should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul writes to the church, he goes, this is what it looks like. To live for others, to live outside of ourselves and the gifts that come with it. And then he uses two examples to kind of end this little diatribe of what this looks like. So right now, Paul's in prison. We talked about this last week, but just if we need a little refresher, Paul's not having his best life ever, Right? Paul is literally imprisoned for his faith. He's not sure if he's going to die because of his faith or if he'll eventually be let go. We're pretty sure after this little stint, he does get let go, but then a few years later, he gets thrown back in jail, and this time he doesn't get out. This time he will get executed. Paul's not living his best life, and yet he's still calling God's people to live for others, to rejoice and in this relationship, as he's in prison, the churches would send him people. Because how prison used to work, if you were a citizen, and he was a citizen, they would essentially put you in a one-room house. And you had this like eight-foot by eight-foot space, but there wasn't like a meal plan. It wasn't like you had guards coming by every day to give you food. And so how you were fed, how you were clothed, how you were taken care of, is people would send you stuff. And that would be how you would sustain yourself. And so the churches would send people to Paul to care for him in prison. And he writes about what that looks like. He says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon that I may be cheered when I receive news about you. So he's saying, I hope one of my guys goes to you so I can hear more about what God is doing in your life, that I can share in that joy. I have no one else like him who will show concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests not those of Jesus, but not Timothy. You know that he has proved himself because as a son and as a father, he has served with me in the work of the Lord. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I can to see what God is doing in your ministry. He says, guys, I want to be able to celebrate with you. So I hope to send a messenger out that we can share in the good news, that we can share in that fruit. But then he says, but I think it's necessary to send to you, Ephroditus, my brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, who you sent to me, who is your messenger to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because he got sick. Indeed, he was ill. He almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only him, but me also to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. 
Therefore, connecting, connecting, I'm about to send him back to you so that you can see him again and have less anxiety. So then welcome him with the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the hope that you yourselves could not give me in the physical present. He talks about these two guys who are trying to follow Jesus, who believe in Jesus. And because they believe in Jesus, they act differently. They act as messengers to and from different gospel outposts, different mission outposts. It's not just about what we do here at Acts Church Leander. It's about us selling what God, celebrating what God is doing at Acts Church Lakeway or First Baptist Leander. It's about realizing that the ministry and the mission of God is bigger than any one outpost, but we get to share in that mission and ministry together. We get to celebrate together. Because as he started, because we have comfort, we give comfort. Because we are united with God, we get to be united with each other. Because God has given compassion to us, we give compassion to the world. And that's how we share and shine like stars in this present day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're good. You're the God of good news. Lord God, we give you thanks for we give you thanks for good news when we are acting like little kids, little spoiled brats, where we don't prioritize your voice in our life, but instead find the voices of the world to find comfort in or unity in. And yet, Father Lord, that good news, that forgiveness, that invitation to something so much bigger is still present in our lives. And Father Lord, we hold to that. We believe in that. But more than that, Father Lord, we want to live out of that. Live out of that good purpose. We want that good purpose for this next generation, for our kids and our neighbors and our classmates. Lord God, we pray that we continue to not only find encouragement in you, but give encouragement because of you. See, that's all in your son's precious name. We're going to go into a time of worship. I'm going to invite you all parents to go and collect your children on the other side, and then we will move into a time of communion.